Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 82, A Lot Can Go Wrong in an Hour. This week, we're discussing series 6, episode 5 of Doctor Who, The Rebel Flesh, and season 1, episode 12 of Angel, Expecting. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Okay, the rebel flesh. Mm-hmm. Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun stuff going on uh-huh. in this episode. <laughs> um, I, you know what? I don't. You yeah, say I with can't. a little look of confusion as you say those words. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't even know why I'm saying this right now because I actually this episode is okay, but it's not like yeah, it didn't blow my socks off. Um, no. So I know a couple things. So I picked up on one little piece of production note that yeah, you didn't you did. even. No, pick up I on, totally didn't. Uh, which is that Cleves is Baxter from Downton Abbey. Um, there you go. And I quite actually like her character in Downton Abbey um, and her and Mosby, their whole little thing going on. Although mm. you haven't. Oh, you haven't oh. seen the new season, so spoiler crap, alert! I just spoiled it for you. And actually, yeah, when will this? Because yeah, that won't let's see. Hmm, that won't air in the U.S. till probably next soon, year, right? right? I would. I think usually starts in I January. Feel like over doesn't around it? Christmas, yeah, that's usually okay. when it starts. So you know, I mean, it won't be won't be too long, but anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I noticed that. Uh, un, unlike. Downton Abbey, though, I was not too fond of Cleves, and we can talk about no. her later. But no. I think you had maybe one other or two other little production note things. So. Yeah, the only other thing uh, that's kind of worth noting is that these this is a two-parter, again, um, and that these episodes are uh, written by Matthew Graham, who we haven't seen him since Fear Her, um, mm-hmm. which, you know... Uh, you and I both liked, um, at least somewhat. It wasn't, you know, our favorite episode, but... Um, you found some redeeming I, qualities I, in it. I, I think Fear Her isn't as bad as people make it out to be. Um, I feel like uh, this one I think people see as something of an improvement, but not necessarily, you know... I don't. I feel like Fear Her gets a lot of hate. I don't know that these episodes get a lot of hate. They just... Nobody much cares for them (laughs) like like you said like not bad necessarily but just sort of there like it there's kind of something an x factor that's lacking or something Mm. i don't really know um you know and sometimes just so we have that to look forward to for the next episode well i mean i think the same thing with like the dalek two-parter in manhattan like the first part you know not only if if the episodes are weak on their own, and then I think the first part kind of suffers even more because it's so much of the setup and everything. Whereas I think next time at least we'll get some, you know, closure and like we'll kind of see where the story was going. So I think we'll still have some more things to talk about. Sure. Um, especially because the next one ends with something of a cliffhanger too. So <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned So it's going to propel us even further along the story. So, you know, I think we'll have but, you know. Um Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's some stuff worth talking about and there's some 
elements of this that I like, but it's uh, more more kind of middling overall, you know. Mm. So yeah. I don't know, Matthew Graham, get your get your act together when you write Doctor Who, <laughs> or anything really, or anything I mean, really. We... Well, he wrote he wrote um, Life on Mars, which I know a lot of people like. At least the British one, people were mm. you know fond of that. So uh, I think he can he can do it, but uh he he hasn't been asked back since that so since this so <laughs> i don't know what that tells you but uh, <laughs> uh yeah maybe maybe he was asked and he declined maybe I, he know, was you know you that's a generous know. way of looking at it yeah okay so <laughs> now that we've spent all that time on production notes yeah um I guess I wanted to start with sort of the situation and just talk through that a bit. Cause I feel like, like you said, with this being set up, then it kind of, that's all becomes important, right? The situation, the monastery and this, you know, yeah. bio flesh stuff that sure. they're creating in that. So um, maybe just talk through that a bit and then sort of go get into what happens plot and character wise to the extent that we can. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so they get to this planet. Well, mm-hmm. and I don't even know if we need to back up because they kind of just arrive there. And coming off of The Doctor's Wife, where we learn that, you know, the TARDIS sort of intentionally takes yeah. them to places. Like, it's one of the first questions I had was, is the, did the Doctor mean to come here or did mm. he not mean to come here? And it's kind of hard to tell because we we get sort of some evasion from him in the early um, yeah. uh, part of the episode, but one way or the other, we can talk about that too later when we get to the doctor's character and, and talk through some of that. But one way or the other, anyway, they end up on this planet on an yeah. Island that at first sort of looks like earth, but then turns out to, I guess maybe not be because they're kind of creating this, or I, I don't know. I guess we don't, you Are know, we clear? I on... always, I always thought it was Earth. You thought it was okay. I and, thought and it that, was. Yeah. I, I was sort but of, but like in the future, it. yeah, it's a yeah, future I sort of, Earth. I was sort of confused by it because at first I thought it was, but then, given sort of all the stuff that happens, I thought maybe it's not. But you do get, I mean, you get these, you know, this cathedral that looks very much like a, you know, medieval cathedral and stuff. But then again, we've seen similarly architectured things sure. on other planets in other episodes. So I don't But I do think the doctor says it's a thirteenth century monastery. So I think I think we're meant to take that as okay. as his way is like that's confirmation that it actually is a thirteenth century. Fair enough. Monastery, and, and I don't you know like I I was sort of confused on the point. So I'm not yeah arguing necessarily one way or the other. I just that's sort of what I thought and then didn't think and then wasn't sure. Yeah, I <laughs> so. think what we're looking at here is like one of these kind of near future things, like a couple hundred years in the future rather than like thousands of years in the future. Um, that's always been my impression. Sure. It's probably uh, not a coincidence that we're confused about this. <laughs> like, you know, that's probably a, an issue with the episode and everything, but... Okay, um, so I guess maybe sort of assuming it's either Earth or a very Earth-like planet in which yeah. they also had 13th century monasteries. Uh-huh. Uh, 
turns out it's not actually a monastery uh, that they've sort of converted it into a factory or are using it to hide the fact that there's a factory there, which seems right. more accurate. Like right. that is sort of a clandestine operation. Um, they're, you know, he's like, you're not monks. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you know, okay, maybe no one really thinks they are, but I don't know, maybe it's sort of on official registries it is, you know, still being passed off as sort of a religious yeah. place. Um, but we do get this idea that, that yeah, like, you know, the, uh, Cleves, I think it is, says right early in the beginning when they first arrived that, um, you know, if you're not part of the military or the company, the name of which mm-hmm. I forget offhand, um, then, you know, they shouldn't be there and... You know, the doctor uses his handy-dandy psychic paper to right. uh, indicate that they are there for some sort of inspection or whatever. Um, so, yeah, again... And they, she, um, and she specifically, when they're talking about the flesh and everything, she calls it, like, the government's worst-kept secret. So you do get this idea that, like... Right. It's, you know, uh, not maybe not FDA approved what they're doing or whatever. Like there's something that they're kind of not quite open about the experiments, you know, that they're doing or the work that they're doing isn't totally approved by, you know, the public or, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so yeah, like, so that kind of, it is kind of makes sense. Like putting the factory in this sort of remote location that's hidden by something else so that people really don't know what they're up to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is all well and good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. You know, okay, secret <laughs> secret experiments in a monastery. I'm okay with that. Um, and so the secret experiment that they're working on is this bioflesh or mm. whatever you want to call it. Um, so a couple of interesting things with that. Like just not even getting to sort of the end product of the people themselves, but like just about the stuff. Yeah. Um, One that, so Cleves and team clearly seem to think that without their sort of controlling of their doppelgangers or whatever, that it's inanimate. Um, It's alive. But as she says, you know, Moss is sort of also alive, but Mm -hmm. you don't really consider it a sentient object or being or anything. Right. Um, but then when the doctor scans it, um, I thought that was pretty interesting. Like it, it seems to be, uh, you know, that it, he, he says it's like scanning him back, you know, like Mm -hmm. that there's something. And, and he also seems to sort of be stuck. Like he scans it and can't quite pull away. At least that's the way that I sort of interpreted that. Yeah. Um, like that he, it's like, oh, wait a minute. There, I'm actually, there's something wrong here. Like I can't not scan you right now. Like there's there was a two-way right. thing kind of going on and uh, the other thing sort of had him by the, the sonic screwdriver. Or <laughs> um, yeah. So... Uh, but the other thing is somewhere along the way, and I don't remember exactly at what point it is, but, uh, and again, I'm not sure, I, I'm, I'm not sure if it was Cleves or what, I get, like, sort of all of the different people. 
I do too. Uh, kind of mixed up a little bit. Yeah. So I'm like everything to me is like I think Cleve said it, but that <laughs> may or may not be true. Uh-huh. It could be completely wrong. Um, but yeah, like I think Cleve said at one point <laughs> um, that the Doctor seemed to have an idea like that that he knew about this bio flesh stuff uh or or has some familiarity with it yeah. like from before arriving at the planet um which is intriguing so like where might he have encountered this before in the future right. presumably at some point maybe he knows that it escapes or gets out somehow or somewhere yeah well like i don't, I don't know like it's hard to say no, and I think so. Um, definitely, there's hints throughout, and you know, I mean, we can come back to this later, or we could talk about it now too. Like, there's a lot of kind of sneaky doctory stuff going on, you know, and some of it mm-hmm. I don't expect you or somebody who's watching for the first time to necessarily kind of pick up on. It's one of those things of like you kind of need to watch it a couple times and then even go back later. Um, but definitely, uh, well, I mean, you mentioned the impression of not quite being sure, you know, why they're here, you know, um, mm. that the doctor seems to kind of know where they are before they, you know, that he sort of, they end up crash landing, which is why he doesn't drop them off for fish and chips, you know, they get stuck in this solar storm. And then it's kind of like, well, we're here and, you know, but, uh, you know, he kind of arrives uh, at the monastery and says, um, uh, I think we're here. This is it. Um, you know, and Roy says, what are, you talk- what are you talking about? We've never been here before. She's- and Amy says, we came here by accident. The doctor says, accident? Yes, I know. Accident. So, yeah, definitely kind of the sense of having him knowing, you know, where they were going to be before they got there. Um, And what it is that he seems to know about it is the flesh, you know, not necessarily who the people are or the storms or what's going to happen, but that seems to be consistently the thing which he knows, which is the, they're doing this work with the flesh here Um, because he mentions, um, uh, you know, he asks Cleves to see, can I see your critical systems? And she says, which one? And he says, you know which one. Um, and then, like, you know, like you said, like, it does seem like he knows something about it. Like, he talks about this is the early stages of the technology, so presumably he knows something about how the later stages are supposed to be. Like, the fact that they can't really, like, hold their form yet, and their nerve mm-hmm. endings aren't quite working right, you know, so he has some knowledge of the fact that this is still like the prototype version of the technology, I guess. Um, yeah. So and, that's, that's interesting. Sorry. I, I just want to, that's interesting, yeah. but I guess I, some of that stuff I didn't necessarily pick up on because I wasn't sure if that was just the doctor being the doctor right? or if he actually had special, you know what I mean? Like, cause a lot of times he'll just sort of deduce or figure right. out that kind of right. stuff along the way. So I, I didn't necessarily think that that was like him having special knowledge per se. Mm. It was, I thought it was more like him sort of talking and sort of being right about yeah. his analysis of what's going on. 
yeah. and maybe it's both. Maybe there's some of both. Like, and maybe there's some of both. Yeah. You know, that's not to say one or the other are, or you know, or that they're mutually exclusive or anything. I just, yeah, I didn't take it necessarily. I guess is what I'm saying as being, um, you know, uh, specifically having like special knowledge or future knowledge of what's going on. Right. Yeah. And I don't think you need to necessarily, like you could just kind of read it that way. Um, but, uh, you know, and again, it's two-parter, so it's hard to talk about without having seen the second half. But um, I think when you put it together with kind of the fact that he seems to know sort of what the flesh is and sort of how it works, mm. and you kind of put that together with the idea that he uh, seemed to know where they are and was going to send Amy and Rory off while, to do stuff while he did stuff on his own. Um, it suggests that he knows more than what he normally knows at the beginning of an adventure, you know, when they just sort of land randomly, you know? Um, so, um, I don't know how much else to say about it. Uh, but I mean, and I think there's other things we can talk about with the doctor too. So maybe we'll leave it at that. Like that that's, I think that's the takeaway from part one is the doctor seems to have or is trying to understand something specific about the flesh as technology mm-hmm. and how they work. Um, sure. Sure. So, <laughs> yeah, I, sorry, I'm just trying to like figure out where to go from there. So yeah, I guess, fine. you know, going back to the whole bio flesh stuff, then whatever, then of course, they, the the people create these doppelgangers or mm-hmm. almost people. The doctor calls them. Yeah. Um, and which I I will repeat. I said this before we started recording. I still think this episode should have been called the almost people, and the next one should have been called the rebel flesh because that just makes way more sense to me. Anyway. From a sort of anti-spoiler perspective. Yeah, yeah. and it's and not even, even just... that I care about spoilers, just like from a sense-making point of view. Like, <laughs> why wouldn't you start sure. with the the enigmatic title, The Almost People, and then follow it up with what they're going to do, which is rebel? It makes no sense. Anyway, fair, fair throw enough. that out there. I don't, I don't, not having seen the second part and, you know... I don't well, know they're already rebelling, a... so... That's true, that's true. <laughs> um, anyway. I don't so know that ahead. I have as strong of an opinion as you on that yet, but okay. It just irks me. I, I can see that. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, the almost... Uh, the almost people... Uh, that opening scene is actually kind of disturbing. When they yeah. knock him, he, you know, he gets knocked into the vat of acid and you're like like at first i was like oh maybe he's okay because he's like wearing a suit or whatever yeah but then it's like it starts eating through him and they're just kind of casually having this conversation and and like not really caring and then he's like well i'm not gonna take you back with no legs like (laughs) your legs have already been burnt off by now like it's like wait what is going on here and then of course he reappears and is like can we just talk about what happened back there like yeah what was what's going on um yeah and so, they're joking about like workers compensation and everything yeah yeah i mean it's 
it's kind of funny, but yeah, it was kind of weird and kind of, and I think, um, you had said last week too, that, uh, when you were kind of describing the episode to me that there were, there's definitely some parts here where they're sort of going more for just the creepy mm. feel, uh, and, and sort of the, I don't know, I maybe, I don't think you used the word cheap, but I'll use the word cheap <laughs> scares, you know, and, sure. uh, that kind of thing. Um, uh, like the whole, uh, Jen with her long neck and face yeah. kind of coming through the wall and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's not my favorite. Um, yeah, I feel like they could have done better with that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I, that that, is, that part is kind of like the cheap, you need the monster kind of thing. Like, because it's not Doctor Who if there's not the monster. I prefer the more psychologically creepy stuff. Like, I do think that first scene is more effective. Like, yeah. just the idea of... They're no, so yeah, nonchalant they're, they're, they're about They're just it. so cavalier about, like, you know, oops, you know, oh, there he goes yeah. again. And then, like, his doppelganger, or I guess the real him, is saying, you know, lighten up. It's not like anybody got hurt. As yeah, yeah, yeah. His other body's, like, screaming, you know. And it does kind of sell yeah, home this right. notion that, like, of, you know, the humans not seeing their flesh gangers as real people but the body that's screaming kind of seems to suggest otherwise you know like mm -hmm. you know that as it's sort of melting away and its face is sort of in agony it kind of hints at that idea that you know they might not feel it but maybe there's something more going on there um yeah and i think just in general the episode has kind of like it goes for that like maybe a little bit cliche, but kind of a gothic feel of like, you know, the monastery, you know, and, uh, you know, kind of. Yeah. Especially when you know, they're sort kind of, of running around and like, like when yeah. Amy's searching for Rory and stuff, yeah. uh, which yeah. we'll talk about later, but like, yeah, the sort of running through the dark hallways and opening doors that you yeah. don't know where they're going to lead to and that kind yeah, of Yeah. And like kind of, you know, Jennifer limping around and with her kind of windswept, you know, you know, on the moors kind of thing, you know, and um, it's all very industrial and, you know, it has a kind of Frankenstein-y feel with, like, you know, these monsters and bringing them to life, you know, with, like, bolts of lightning and stuff, like, you know. I think it's mm -hmm. kind of... And so... Yeah, so then the, like, big rubbery necks and stuff takes it down a notch slightly, but, um, but it has kind of a nice tone, I think. Sure. Um, or at sure. least it's going for a nice tone, whether or not it always achieves it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, like, situationally, that's all the setup, I guess. And, I mean, obviously some of that isn't quite set up because we don't get it all right away we kind of mm -hmm. reveal some of it um as we go on but like the at least as far as what they're doing there and what their you know situation is um but then yeah. also there's yeah like the the whole uh, storm thing you know the sun the whatever yeah. storm uh that becomes the uh sort of the impetus for uh 
them all getting knocked out and disconnected from their doppelgangers and Mm -hmm. also sort of adds the spark of life, I guess, to the doppelgangers themselves that they can, you know, move around and become, which is, you know, sort of an old, I mean, in science fiction, that kind of goes way back right to the beginning with Mary Shelley and, you know, that's the whole, that that's the secret, right? And, and it's not, it's not lightning like, you know, maybe in Young Frankenstein <laughs> where we see, or even the sort of movie yeah. versions. But, you know, that is the, you know, Victor Frankenstein is looking, you know, for the spark of life and yeah. he figures it out and that's what he gets. So like here, you know, this is, this is yeah. the cheap and easy way to get the spark of life right into a, right. into a, a otherwise inanimate or um, at least not quite fully sentient body um mm-hmm. so that that becomes the impetus there which you know again like you said it was sort of the storm that knocked them out of yeah going to wherever they were going into this place so um i wanted to talk from like a character perspective uh i actually wanted to talk about rory yeah. and ganger ganger jen yeah that sounds really that's a terrible <laughs> nickname, but that's what they call, sort of call them, right? Sure, Gangers, yeah. and her name's Jen, so. Um, we uh, we get Rory as sort of the focus companion this time around, which is yeah. unusual. Um, mm-hmm. Especially given that Amy's around. Yeah. Like, the only times that Rory sort of has gotten any spotlight. Right. Uh, has been when Amy's not around, when right, right. like uh, when she gets pulled down into the earth and yeah. the hungry earth. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Strangely uh, enough. <laughs> so uh, in the aptly titled "Hungry." In the aptly yeah. titled, yeah, um, yeah. So like you know, times when she's sort of not around and he is, then obviously you know we get some good right between them. Right, and, and even then, it's is, usually like. What is he doing? Trying to get back to her, you know, right? <laughs> or get no. her back, you know. Well, and that was that was the other thing I wanted to point out because we definitely get that sense of like this time he's sort of going after Jen and trying to help her and leaving Amy. He's not. This isn't, you know, even just in the last episode we talked about how, you know, between Amy telling him to stay with the doctor and the doctor telling him to go with Amy, right? He chooses Amy. This time he's leaving Amy behind to go run after this other woman or almost right. woman. Um, so I like the way that they had, that they had Rory sort of go off after Jen um, and, you know, to help her out, you know, it wasn't just uh, obviously, you know, to, he wasn't like chasing another woman or anything, right. but it was, it was that he, you know, he wanted to help her out. And he even says that to Amy, you know, when he comes back and he's like, you know, she needs protecting and, you know, this and that. And sort of he sees before even like Amy and even kind of before the doctor is like arguing for, you know, all of their, um, I mean, the doctor's kind of figuring it out and talking through, you know, who they are and what's going on or whatever. But Rory is more instinctual about it. It seems like, like he, and maybe, you know, maybe it's the nurse in him. I don't know. You know, maybe, you know, it's something like that, but, um, I like when Amy is sort of like, yeah, but you know, she's not real. She's a ganger and whatever. And he says, 
you know, all I know is that she's afraid and she needs our help. And yeah. which is very much, you know, like I, that actually made me think back to the doctor's statements about, you know, well, who do I mean by humans? Aliens. You know, like right, right. it's like, you know, you don't have to be human to be human. Like you, sure. you, you can be afraid without being human. You can need help without being human. Yeah. It's, you know how we sort of react in those moments that make us human and that yeah. sort of thing. So, um, yeah. so I like that, you know, that he does do that and that we get that focus and that it becomes Amy who goes running after him and saying, you know, he needs my help and not just Rory always running after her. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so anyway, that, so, okay. So what I, what's your response to all of that? And I'm sure you have other stuff to add. Um, no, that, I mean, you said one of the things I was going to say was, I think that has to, that does have to do with his being the nurse. And, mm -hmm. um, in the last episode in the doctor's wife, he had that kind of line, um, after Idris dies and he says like, it gets to him when people yep. are sort of yeah. suffering and he can't do anything about it. And he knows it shouldn't bother him, but he can't help it. And so I kind of like that they pick right up on that and kind of give us an episode where like he, you know, purposefully or not, purposefully <laughs> or not, it's sort yeah. of like, you can see him kind of responding. Well, here's going to make up for that. Like, here's someone I can help. And, you know, even if, uh, Amy doesn't necessarily agree. He sort of feels, you know, obliged to help someone who is in pain and in trouble and looking to him for help. Um, so yeah, like you get the barest hints of jealousy, but not really. Like they don't really go anywhere with that. Like they kind of have that one moment where she, I mean, Jennifer, I think feel like, I feel like she kind of, flirts in that direction like she's sort of oh, giving yeah. him kisses on the cheek and saying like oh you know you're Amy's so nice lucky girl and Amy's and, lucky yeah. but I don't know that you get the feeling that I don't think you ever really get the feeling that Amy or Rory are ever really thinking in that direction like Rory no. doesn't seem to be chasing her in that way no, no. and even Amy like when Rory kind of gives her that like slightly apologetic look when he hugs Jennifer and Amy kind of says it's okay. Like she knows, you know, like you just get more the feeling that she's kind of annoyed that he's running around, putting himself in danger and she's worried about him. I don't yeah. think you ever get a sense almost of almost like, giving her a taste of her own medicine. Sure. Yeah. Like for, you know, the running around part and not yeah. that, not, and like, I don't at all think that that's what Rory's actually doing, but no, like, no, it, but, it, it, yeah. it's sort of a, a side effect of his, you know, going off and wanting being to help more is that, independent. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that Amy kind of gets the feeling of being the one who's left behind in that moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think so too. So I don't, yeah. And I think that's more where the tension comes in less so of like a, mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't ever really for her seem to get in any sort of like rivalry. I don't think it's no, more about no, like, I didn't get that sense. Yeah. It's, it is more about the kind of like, uh, yeah, it's easier to be the one doing the running around and being in danger, less so when it's the person that you love and you are responsible yeah. for. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's a nice role reversal for them. Um, 
Right. And not that we want Rory to outshine Amy in any way either, but it's it's nice that, you know, yeah. He does get a a little a little more uh you know, opportunity to do that kind of thing, you know, despite the fact that she's around. It's not just by her absence that he sort of defaults. Right. And I like I like when the doctor is like, Rory, Rory, always with the Rory. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, like actually it's not always with the Rory. Like that yeah. seems to actually not be the case. So right. Uh, anyway. Right, and I like that it's sort of an in-character way to do it because, you know, like usually like Amy's more the adventurous type and Rory wants to be safe, but here it's not like Rory wants to be just sort of gutsy and adventurous. It's it's because him as the nurse, him as the caretaker, like that's, he doesn't want to go out and put himself in danger, but, you know, he wants to take care of people. So it's, you know, they find a kind of, and not that Amy doesn't also want to do that, but mm-hmm. she's not the same kind of caretaker in that way, I don't think. Um, I don't think she has quite that same, like, uh, you know, nursing instinct in her. Sure. So it kind of feels like if you're if you're going to do an episode where Rory gets to sort of go out and run around on his own without being chasing of Amy, um, this is like a good way to do it. Um, it makes sense for him. Um, I know you don't like Cleves. I don't much like Jennifer either. So, <laughs> and not just because she's like the, not for like homewreckery reasons, but like, I don't know. There's like, even early on, like before the whole gangers thing starts, you just get the impression, I think, that she's kind of not a very good person. Like, the fact that it starts the episode... That Jennifer isn't? Yeah, that, like, hmm. it starts the episode with her pushing the guy into acid and then, like, acting like, I didn't do that, you just fell in. Yeah. And, and there's little hints throughout that, like, you know, she's kind of a little bit of, you know... She's a bit of a coward and a bit of, like, a, you know, doing her kind of poor me, you know, thing sure. to Rory... And it's like, I don't know, you know, I, I think more Rory might be misjudging her character a little bit, but I'm glad that he wants to help people, right. but there's something kind of, uh, not because she's a ganger, but just in Jennifer, that's sort of a little bit shifty, I think. Sure. So. I don't, I didn't, I mean, you're right with the, with the sort of denying of the, you know, i you know, pushing him in or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know that I picked up on it quite the same way as you did, but that's fine. Okay. <laughs> um, so in sort of, yeah, okay, so talking about Rory and Jen, but then also, like you said, you know, Amy kind of is the one who then runs off to make sure that Rory's okay, right? She yeah. goes searching for him and and we do get some of those good, you know, running through the halls, not knowing yeah. where he is and looking around and stuff. Um, and, of course, one of the doors that she opens and looks through, we see this lady who's sort of looking through the sliding mm-hmm. view panel thing again. Yeah. Um, so we've seen her a number of times now. This is like, you know finding the cracks in the last season right right? this is like where is she gonna pop up right and um i actually missed it the first time 
uh-huh. uh, that I watched the episode. I didn't see it until the second time. I was like, oh, how did I miss that? Well, because <laughs> it's very quick. And it is quick. If yeah. you're not paying attention, like there's no real musical cue per se. Like, No, no. Yeah, it's just sort of quiet. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like I, I don't know who she is or what she's doing, but that's, I mean, I can guess but i don't know that i have anything any basis for the guesses that i would make you know what i mean like it does have that feeling of you know looking in on someone who's like in a mental ward kind of Mm. thing Uh, yeah yeah with the kind of white walls behind her and stuff yeah and just and like like it's almost like amy's yeah, yeah like amy's looking up at her and this woman's like checking on her to make sure she's still there or whatever but mm-hmm. um yeah the one other um yeah there's not much to say other than that she's there and i think we've kind of even skipped over talking about her a couple times that she's shown up because yeah there's not much to do with it yet but um Right, because she of, did she did show up in the last episode too, right? And I yeah, just, I and in think, the pirate ship, I think as well. The pirate um, ship, yeah. I forget how many times, but um, but uh, the one other clue which we do get, um, which is sort of obscure, I think, but um, it's kind of cool. Is um, I think it was in the the Curse of the Black Spot when you see her. Um, she's she's telling Amy or presumably whoever she's looking at, you know, it seems like it's Amy, um, telling her, uh, to breathe. Um, and there's a line in here where the doctor sort of looks at her and says, Amy, breathe. Um, and she's sort of like, okay, okay. Thank you. I'll remember that. Um, so just something to notice, you know, Hmm. I don't want to say anything more about it than that, but one of those little, yeah, no, I didn't. That... I do remember the doctor saying that in this episode. I did not remember that connection to the previous uh, reference there. So, very interesting. Just more fuel for the fire, but. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess the only other thing to say about Amy is sort of we get. And not that we didn't already necessarily know this, but, you know, another sort of reminder of her tenacity and sort of willingness, even more so than, um, like, other previous companions, to mm-hmm. just sort of strike out and jump into things on yeah. her own. Um, even I mean, I think, like, Rose sort of got there. Mm-hmm. But, like, Amy just, again, has sort of always been that way right from the beginning. And, like, let's yeah. go... And so now, like, okay, acid might shoot out of the wall at me. I'm going to go find my husband kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, like. Yeah, no, just she the way is it kind is. of the gutsy companion, yeah. Yeah, and, and a li- like, I would even say a little more reckless. Like, sure. not even, like, like, gutsy and courageous and all of that. Like, I think that's all accurate. But I also think that at times, mm-hmm. maybe not often or, you know, every time, but certainly at times... Like, uh, you know, a bit on the careless side, even. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I uh, wouldn't disagree with that. <laughs> uh, Which is, yeah, like I said, has, I don't. It's good I don't that she know has that Nurse anything. Rory to sort of rein her in most of the time, then. <laughs> sure, sure. When she lets him. When she lets him. And when he's um, not off 
getting his own self in trouble. Right. Well, that's exactly it. Like he, that's why she's leaving this time is because yeah. he's not there. Uh, precisely, she's going to look for him. So, yeah. like, um, anyway. But like I said, I don't I'm like that's not necessarily new. It's just sort of a reiteration of some of that. So, yes. Um. So on to sort of the so where we get the climactic stuff, right? The the gangers versus reels, mm-hmm. if we want to put it in West Side Story, <laughs> you know, gang terms. Um, yeah. <laughs> we need a theme song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you see it coming. Sure. So, okay, so sort of the whole plot device <laughs> Really? Of, How? No. Yeah, sort of the whole plot device of, oh, you know, we've got this group of people who looks like, you know, all of whom, uh, or each of whom looks like someone from this other group of people. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, that's really hard to do. Yeah. Because you never know who's with who. And, like, right. on the one hand, like, I get that that's kind of what they're trying to do is like, oh, yeah. you don't know which is which. So, right. you know, haha. But like that can backfire too. Yeah. And I think it kind of backfires. Here. Yeah. I go back and forth about that because these episodes do get very confusing about who is which and what side people are on and where all the pieces are. I do kind of feel like that is kind of the point in a sense like if i if i understood it too clearly it might feel too like contrived whereas i like that there's some kind of confusion about it but it does make it frustrating and kind of you know you just end up kind of glazing over because there's so many people running around who we don't really know that well anyway so but then they also sort of intermingle and then you're not sure if it was the same group leaving as right that you know, it might be a different composition of real right, exactly. and gangers. Right, right, because they're all sort of mixed then, up, yeah. Yeah, if you're not paying attention. So, you know, okay. Um, you know, sort of the the different ones kind of meeting each other or seeing each other, and that's kind of, okay, like, that's fine. Like, the two guys who are actually kind of, like, end up sort of getting along before, mm-hmm. you know, the whole... Yeah. Split happens. Um, it's kind of cool. And then sort of the contrast between the two Cleves. Actually, that's like the only moment that I like with Cleves mm-hmm. is when she sort of sees herself and yeah. says, oh, you're kind of, you know, yeah. whatever. So and so. And it's like, yeah. Oh, OK. So you do know this about yourself. Like, right, right. <laughs> Seeing it when at, from outside yourself, you're like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> this is, um, I would totally do that. Uh, and speaking of Cleves, we we mentioned before the you know start of of recording that it's not exactly the most um, subtle metaphor in the world, is it? Like yeah. you know, she's the one who divides the group, like quite literally. So yeah. uh, you know, which is fine. I don't have a problem with sort of metaphorical names, but it's just kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, it's right there. Well, one right, thing I right I, out in front of you. Yeah, that she's going to split the group, but. Uh, one thing I do like about it is that with, again, and I think Jennifer and Cleves are the only two that have, like, personalities to speak of. So the others, you know, <laughs> they're just sort of there. But 
Right. Um, with them, they're there because in a secret facility you need more you than need, two people. You need some yeah. cannon fodder, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need a few red and, shirt. Yeah, and um, but with those two, you do get a kind of role reversal, whereas like, you know, like human Cleves is like this really like ridiculously unreasonable and like hardline like she's the one who's like completely unwilling to listen to the doctor's warnings she's the one with the cattle prod she's the one like saying like it's us versus them and everything and her ganger seems more uh mellow like she's the one kind of like when the doctor i think it's the ganger that the doctor finds her in the hallway and she's saying like i abandoned my team you know so she's feeling some of the guilt and and like you said, like when she sees herself with the cattle prod goes like, oh my God, like, you know, is kind of disgusted with herself. Um, mm -hmm. And then, so you kind of have the split between like the human and the ganger there. But like Jennifer seems like the opposite. Like human Jennifer always just talks about how afraid she is and how alone she was as a child and how she was weak and all these things. And then you get ganger Jennifer who feels stronger and tougher and so she's the one leading the gangers and saying it's us versus them so you know i just think that's a nice rather than have them be like exact copies of each other it's almost like the flesh versions can make different choices in a way so you see cleaves choosing a more like a less idiotic path you know whereas jennifer's sure. like embracing the person she always wanted to be but couldn't um so yeah yeah no that makes sense and all um, the male characters are exactly the same as they ever were <laughs> as far as we know from what we know about them which is yeah not there's not much like we don't get much from them no from i mean the only ways. thing we really get is from the one guy who has this he's talking about his son's birthday so both of them feel you know some claim to the sun and if if the doctor took them all back like he says he would you kind of have this question of well who's the daddy you know can they both like you know they both feel right, right to him and everything so yeah yeah what makes you you is it your chemistry or your memories yeah or, and we've been over know. that a million times with doctor who that oh yeah the yeah. memories are what make a person so right no that's what i mean so yeah what's I mean, even with Rory, like, you know, and the, sure. uh, you know, Auton Rory there. Right. It's um, 2000 years. Yeah. Um, so speaking of the doctor then, and we've kind of talked about him a little bit, so maybe mm -hmm. we're coming back around in a circle here. Like, um, <laughs> one thing, love the snow globe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he keeps checking this, but you know, I like, I like those little, those little, like, you know, that, that actually made me think back to the 3D glasses. Yeah. You know, back uh, the end of season two. Uh-huh. Um, with, uh, yeah, the ghosts, right? The, uh -huh. the, the Yeah, Army of Ghosts. Army yeah. of Ghosts. Yeah, thank you. Uh, that was going to bug me. Um, <laughs> yeah, those little uh, everyday items that the doctor uses to, like, check various things and you know right like you know he's enhanced it somehow or that maybe it is just a regular snow globe but it's 
you know, it's but regular snow, something. yeah, regular snow globes have a purpose beyond sort of the one that we use it for. It's right. just that we've never noticed it before, and right. he happens to know what this other purpose is, kind of thing. Yeah, um, and we don't even really know. I mean, it's has to do, I assume, with like the storm and stuff. Like that's why he, I guess so. it, it seems like that's when he checks it is, you know, in relation to like sort of the prediction of when the storm's going to hit and that kind yeah. of thing. Which is kind of a funny premise that you know it's a little storm in a globe. You know, like right yeah. that he's checking it. You know, to make sure there. So um, yeah, uh, that's kind of funny. Um, Loses the TARDIS again, uh-huh. like, you know, in the... Sinks into it the It sinks into acid, the acid yeah, yeah. and stuff. Which, you know, thankfully, it doesn't appear to be eating through the TARDIS or anything. So no. That's good. Um, but I guess really the only, like, the, the main sort of thing is you get this, uh, you know, like, when he's checking the bioflesh and stuff, but uh, you get the... Uh, is it... See here again. I I'm just going to assume he says it to Cleves. I don't know if he actually says it to Cleves, but I'm going to say he said it to Cleves uh, when he says, "You don't have to hide. Please trust me. I'm the doctor." Um, yeah. Uh huh. It is and, Cleves, actually. Yeah. Okay. Good. See, it's I knew gang, it was it's Ganger Cleves. Yeah. Ganger Cleves. Well, yeah, which is basically Cleves. Yeah. So um, you get with this idea that. Uh, Um, you get with the idea that that it's uh, this bio flesh after having like scanned him or whatever. Like yeah. um, we've seen this we've seen this before, where like these sort of semi sentient or maybe emerging sentient uh-huh. uh, you know creatures that they um, that they sort of. Uh, can pick out that the doctor is something special, right? Or specialer than maybe right. the others that are around. And right. so when he says that, first you get the creepy lips in the goo. Yeah. Uh, you know, just saying, trust me. Trust me. And I knew right from then, I'm like, oh, no, huh. something's going to happen yeah. here. With you know, gainer doctor. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, like, then you get sort of the, the shadowy, husky, you know, trust me again sort of watching yeah. from whatever and then at the end you get the really creepy you know smooth faced <laughs> uh walking around ganger yeah you with know, a little smile and a and a fix of the and, bow tie and a fix of know? the bow tie and all that you know um so yeah i mean obviously we'll find out more about that because that's kind of right at the end there but like yeah. it is yeah it is this idea of Okay, so now, now there's another doctor around. So mm-hmm. what what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how much to read into it, but mm. considering that we've got a couple different seasons going on here, mm-hmm. or episodes, I mean, going on here where there's sort of a running thing, but also the the ever looming death of the doctor. Ah. Like, does that imply that maybe it wasn't the doctor who actually died uh, way back at the beginning of the season? So, definite, definite possibility. I mean, that's one of the things that Amy threw out there was maybe it was a duplicate or a clone or something. Yeah. So, um, 
And we don't know, I mean, not knowing sort of what the bio flesh is, like how much of it, because we see that the doctor, you know, starts to regenerate and then gets killed again, killed right. dead. Like, but maybe over time, the bio flesh is able to sort of program itself to do whatever it's modeled after. So maybe right. it actually becomes the Time Lord, just like the doctor. Yeah. Uh, and, um, so yeah, anyway, like, I, I don't know. I mean, that I could be way off. Maybe the ganger doctor will die in the next episode and none of that will come to fruition. Right. I don't know, but it just seems like it's something that could happen. Yeah, sure. Sure. I don't know. Another, other, oh, another thing, well, another thing I want to throw out there and then maybe keep in mind also for the next episode is, um, I like the doctor's persistent, uh, attempts to like empathize with the flesh, you know, that like, yeah, he really is trying really hard to, uh, be compassionate toward it and get the others to treat it with, you know, treat the gangers, you know, with kindness and respect and all these things. And I kind of like the idea that, uh, and maybe this is me reading too much into it, but I like the idea that the doctor can sympathize a bit because of his experiences with regeneration that, cause there's certain lines. Sure. I, there's, yeah. there's a line in particular, which always jumps out to me that, um, he says, human lives are amazing. Are you surprised they walked off with them? They're scared, disorientated, struggling to come to terms with an entire life in their heads. And scared and disorientated and trying to come to terms with a life in its head sounds a lot like what he seems like after he regenerates. Like, you know, even though it's the same person, you still get a new personality in a way who's often quite out of it and trying to learn who he is and you know, I guess, come to terms with that. So, um, you know, in terms of knowing that the doctor goes through that on a fairly regular basis, um, I kind of like the idea that that makes it, in a way, easy for him to relate to what they're going through, of being kind of new and not at the same time. You know, mm -hmm. being reborn in a body that you don't quite understand, but having all the memories of another life that you've lived. Sure. Um, sure. You know, and then now we do have this other duplicate ganger doctor, you know, so that kind of complicates it even more. So now in a way you almost have a multi-doctor story of like, you know, two doctors in the same space, which is mm -hmm. always kind of a intriguing idea. So yeah, just something to throw out, I think for the second half of the story. Okay. Okay. Well, I will keep that in mind. All right. <laughs> I don't know. That. <laughs> I don't know that I have much more to say at That's this point because right. it it is it is tough. With we went being. longer than I thought we would actually. So yeah. Oh yeah. I guess we did. So you know, a lot can happen in an hour. A lot so. can happen in an hour. A lot can. A lot go wrong. more happened than we thought was going to happen. Um, but. but yeah. Anyway. Okay. That's good. Uh, so well, I think moving, we've exhausted that. <laughs> moving on to Angel, then. Moving on to Angel. Um, I'll, I'll recycle my joke. So, what were you expecting with expecting? <laughs> but um, um, well, uh, so I want to start with uh, 
the kind of metaphor of the week because that's not something that we get in Angel all the time. It's not something we even get with Buffy all the time anymore. Um, not mm-hmm. as much as we used to. Right. Um, and maybe even less so with Angel, although I think when we have seen it with Angel, again, it has been more about things that young adults deal with, more so than high school or college students. Sure. Um, and this goes right along with that. Like, just like the first episode, you know, was all about, like, you know, like, the, you know, kind of the fear of, you know, what you might pick up hopping the bars in LA and everything and like, oh, yeah, with you know, diseases and everything. Yeah. yeah. This is again, not that this couldn't happen in college, but again, it's more of an adult idea that, mm-hmm. you know, you might like, I do like the scene with Cordy where she's uh, kind of monologuing about, you know, I met this guy. He seemed really nice. It was all safe. You know, she's kind of mm-hmm. flirting around what it is that we're really talking about here. And, you know, basically this is something that does happen to a lot of people. It's just more accelerated than <laughs> it just happens. Right. Yeah. Like, this is what makes supernatural, sci- yeah, demonic, like, possessed version. What of- happens isn't all that strange. It's just that because it's supernatural, she wakes up like about ready to give birth, you know, um, but it doesn't take a whole lot of peeling back to get to the metaphor, you know, of these kind of unexpected pregnancies and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, worth doing. I mean, if you're going to kind of do these kind of like things which young people face in the world, this is certainly one of them. Um, yeah. And I like how it didn't treat it all as a big joke. Um like yeah. that's kind of what I was expecting. Um, expecting <laughs> that's what I was expecting was like, Cordy, you know, in that moment when she wakes up and he's gone, he's not there, and you go, oh no, you know, you know, like that's never a good sign. Um, sure. You know, and then the, you know, her, you know, big giant nine month pregnant belly and everything. Um, and then it kind of cuts to commercial. And what I was expecting from that point on was like the pregnancy comedy, you know, which we got a little bit of, like of Cordy, like complaining about how everything hurts and even like the weird pregnancy gives you really weird cravings thing of like drinking the blood out of the cup and everything. <laughs> sure. So there's a little bit of that, but I was expecting way more of it. Um, I wasn't expecting to have like that whole kind of like um really like melancholy scene of like she doesn't call anybody she doesn't call for help she just sort of sits mm-hmm. there and kind of quietly panics <laughs> and yeah and, and i like when she like she's like i'm just i'm waiting it for not like she's got it all figured out it's a dream so i'm yeah. just waiting it for can i wake up now yeah for her to wake up and it yeah. won't really be true yeah yeah so we can go through like some of the details, but I kind of uh, like that they treated that idea that like it, it would just be easy to make it a big pregnancy comedy, but like this is actually like horrifying. Like if you mm-hmm. kind of woke up in this situation, well, a like you know for like any you know young single girl to sort of 
suddenly find herself pregnant when she didn't mean to, that's kind of scary enough. But then on top of it, to add in the idea of that she's like going to give birth like tomorrow, <laughs> like, right. I, you know, that that wouldn't just be a joke that like she would actually be like pretty much traumatized by that. And, and they actually let her let the character be, you know, mm-hmm. terrified and upset yeah. and, you know, um, yeah. So I like that no. they kind of took it in that direction rather than something a little bit more expected. They did the unexpected thing, you yeah. know, which is which is nice. No, that's a great, great observation. Um, and Tim Minear, um, although he didn't write it, he was a producer for, you know, a number of the episodes in the first season here. And um, he he wrote on his website about this episode saying that originally uh, – they were actually going to make a very funny, like just completely ridiculous kind of what you were saying, like the expected version. And, and then Joss came and stepped in and said, no, we need, we need to play this straight. Um, and it, you know, it just really, I, I think you're right. Like you come in and you expect that they're horrified and that, you know, whatever, but it, it actually is kind of a really touching moment when it's like both Angel and Wesley. And like, you even get, and it's not not the first time where Cordy is like, oh, no, I'm being punished for something, right? Like, that seems right. to be her, like, she still... That's, like, her go-to she, thing. Yeah. yeah, she does sort of, like, when things go wrong, she feels like it's something she did. And that's, yeah. I mean, how true is that? Like, I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of young women who find themselves right. in a less than desired situation and are you know feeling like what did i do wrong what did i do and and wesley's right there with the it's not yeah you didn't do anything wrong that's not what's happening here and he doesn't necessarily know what's happening there but he is sure that it's not her fault you know what i mean like it's it's just that you know i don't even know i almost said like it's you know, comforting. I don't even know how comforting that is because you're still having to deal with right. that. But I mean, I, you know, maybe just the idea that someone believes you that someone, yeah, you know, there, you're not being blamed for yeah. something that really isn't her fault. You know what I mean? Like right. there's no way she could have predicted that that would have yeah. happened of all yeah. things. So, um, Anyway, like I, I, yeah. I agree. I, I do like this is I mean, this isn't my favorite episode. Sure. It's an OK episode. Like I don't I don't hate I kind of feel like the same as you were sort of describing the Doctor Who episode. Like I don't for me personally, I don't it, like it's not going to get on any top 10 lists mm-hmm. or anything um, or even top 20 <laughs> lists probably. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's it's an OK episode. But I do think that I like that part of it, that it's, that they don't, you know, treat it with the slapstick per se, even though there are some funny parts in it It, there, you know, it's not, it is a serious issue. And, um, and I think a good one ultimately, and we can talk through the characters and stuff, but I think if you're talking, you know, metaphors, metaphor of the week kind of thing, like there's, there's the metaphor of the, you know, you know, what's the phrase, the, the being in a family way, right. Is, Mm. is, is sort of the, you, you, the old school euphemism for, you know, being pregnant. Um, but there's also a family element to this too, because I think this is, although we've seen Wesley a few times now, like this is the episode where they all gel 
together. Um, and you even get Angel saying, you know, uh, to the bartender, you know, bartender's like, oh, are you the boyfriend? He goes, no, I'm family. family you know, like yeah. this is, and, and like not even like, there's no real hesitation or no, you know what I mean? Like, it's not even like he has to stop and think about like, well, who am I, you know, to her? It's like, no, right. I'm, I'm family. Like this is, they've gotten to that point. And we saw sort of the buddy moment with uh, Courtney and, and Angel in the last episode where, you know, he's like, if ever, you know, things go wrong, she's like, oh, I'll kill you. I'll kill you dead. You right. know, like, yeah. uh, but but like this is like even even more than that, you know, that one's kind of funny, but we know it's sort of true. Like this is like not even like this is like just no, yeah. I'm family. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and also so I, I don't know. Uh, I guess, you know, we want we we're going to talk about sort of the Paxil Beast and the demon and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think the other thing that just want to point out, um, too, is that you get you get all three of them being part of the, the demon destruction. Sure. Like it's not just angel coming in to save the day. You know, it's not just Wesley sort of getting a lucky shot Right. and it's not the two of them just saving Cordy. Like she comes along and finishes the finishes job it with, off, yeah. with the, you know, swinging the, like whatever the hook or the pulley yeah. or whatever it is, um, you know, and smashing him. So like, yeah, in that sense, too, it's like this very bonding sort of episode uh, yeah. for the three of them. Um, and also the fact that Wesley makes the shot and actually hits the thing. I know, it's like, I was shocked. <laughs> yeah, it's like at the moment when you need him to step up big, he does. He does. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I admit a little bit of uh-oh when um, Angel was like, you know, whatever he says, like... How's your aim or something like that? And you're kind of like, uh, this is the guy who like throws his hatch into the wall by accident, you know, his hatchet or whatever, like, you know, yeah, the ads, yeah, you know, and, and is like the klutz with everything, you know, you might not want to trust him with the shooting so much. Um, but he does. So yeah, yeah, when it matters, he can step up and, uh, and even more than that, just, like, the kind of willingness to be, like, you know, not just the good shot, but, like, to kind of be the distraction in a way. Like, to go out and, like, put up his little fists for a duel and, like, yeah, challenge like old, him. and an old school, like, pugilist, yeah. you know, he's like... Yeah. Fight you to the death, sir. Yes. All that kind but of But first, we must get to know each other. Yeah. Do you have any hobbies? <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, you know, so he's kind of... Also, like, his ability to sort of be ridiculous can also come in handy from that point of view, too. Like, he can be the guy you send in to kind of keep the villain talking while Angel's sort of sneaking around in the back getting, like, the plan ready or whatever. You know, like, that kind of... He has a little bit of that doctorish gift of gab, you know, of kind of, like, you know... Like, he can kind of draw the attention towards himself, and he's good at that and would be willing to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, again, also, not just that. Like, he does do the, the the shooting as well and actually hits his mark. So, yeah. So starting to step up a little bit more in the, like, fighting department, too. But yeah. the other thing just about the metaphor, too, was uh, 
uh, <laughs> I think my favorite line in the episode was uh, Wesley's one about a demon that can only reproduce by implanting a human woman with its seed. Yes, I've heard of such entities. And that made me laugh. Uh, just because, like, th there's no metaphor at this point. We're all, like, yeah. demons, men, we're just talking about the same thing. Like, the, it is right. kind of a bizarre idea when you think about it, you know? And, and like, there is something kind of not sci-fi at all about that notion. So, um, I just think that kind of took the implicit metaphor and sort of made it explicit and very funny. Yep. Uh, but let's for character stuff um, let's talk a bit more about Cordy um, yeah sure so what the episode kind of starts out with which it doesn't really resolve at the end which is fine is uh, this notion of her kind of slacking uh, administrative skills let's say mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, which I don't know, she's always been kind of not really, like, she's always been kind of the ditz of the office, although it seems like a little bit like the implication is that this is even more so than normal, you know, and Angel's kind of, Wesley's wanting to crack down, and Angel's kind of saying, well, you know, with Doyle and everything, she's been through a lot, mm -hmm. and kind of let's go easy on her a little bit, so, um, you know, her filing is like, she can't read her own handwriting, and uh, and even if we can, nothing is in the right folder anyway. You know, because like yeah, it doesn't matter. It's under you, you know cause... F for because she's from France. You know, and but the F isn't might be a P and everything. So yeah, like and again, they don't really resolve that at the end. So I assume this is gonna you know it's not like this episode is about Cordy learns to file correctly or anything. You know, but. Uh, yeah, well, although I guess I would say, like, it seems, right, like, that's not, I, I don't see that as being sort of, like, the problem. That seems no. to be more, like, symptomatic of, yeah. like you were saying, like, there's other things, like, she has stuff on her mind, like, with Doyle and whatever. But there's also, like, there's, it's that thing where, at what point does someone use a traumatic experience you know, sort of as a crutch or as sure. a as a excuse to not sort of further yourself along. And I'm not I don't know that we need to necessarily think of it that explicitly with Cordy, mm -hmm. but I think that's at least the question that we're maybe you yeah. know supposed to consider. Like yeah. And maybe the answer is she hasn't reached that point and it's perfectly fine for her to be acting the way she's acting and that's fine. But I think, again, that's just sort of the question that's, yeah, you know, that we're being asked to sort of maybe consider there. Not, not that, not that she's necessarily doing anything wrong or, you know, intentionally, but like, yeah, at what point do you start to sort of maybe move past some of that stuff yeah so yeah yeah and, and Wesley kind of seems of that kind of opinion like he's sort of you know like and when she doesn't come in for work and Angel's worried and says like this isn't like her and Wesley's like actually that's exactly like her like <laughs> you know 
shirking her responsibilities. That sounds exactly like what she does. So, yeah, you know, and I guess that makes sense. Like, Angel was also close with Doyle, so he's still feeling, you know, sort of, you know, recovering from that, whereas Wesley isn't. Um, hmm. But I also like that, like, when they realize or I should say when Wesley realizes that she actually is in trouble, that like becomes like the non-issue. Like, and this is like the team gelling, like you said, like he, he's not just a nag about like, you know, the responsibility and the filing, like when they realize she needs help, you know, he drops it all and kind of says like, you know, kind of like the, the moment you said, like when he says, this isn't your fault. He also says, we're going to get to the bottom of it. Like, whatever it is that's happened, mm -hmm. we're here for you and we're going to take care of it, kind of. Um, so I like that, that, like, you know, the... the, I mean, I'm sure those issues will continue because it's Cordy, you know, but it's also, like, you know, that's what family and friends do is love each other despite those, you know, shortcomings. Yeah. You know, which they which they do. They support her and they'll take care of her even, you know, that that's more important, what she's going through. So, and then, like, by the end, they're especially nice to her. They're, like, buying her magazines and making her coffee and all sorts of things, so. Sure. Um, yeah, so... I mean, I, yeah, and it's so for this episode with Cordy, like the whole, it is you know it does go back to that because like on the one hand you don't want to say like that she shouldn't be sort of grieving in her own way and stuff, but like you know how much is going out and partying every night, grieving, you know, yeah. grieving, <laughs> you know, like yeah. what? Okay, yes, there is a certain amount of you just need to let loose and do whatever but uh you know like what yeah again what is sort of that are you and you know she did move to LA to sort of have that lifestyle in a way like she mm -hmm. wants to be an actress she wants to be with the hot people right so you know this Wilson Christopher guy is you know shooting all of these famous people with his camera and I feel the need to clarify that because, you know, but yeah. yeah, like he's, he's a photographer. So he's, you know, having photo sessions and all this. And so, and all of the things that he sort of says is like, you know, perfectly constructed, you know, yeah. to sort of get her to be thinking along those lines of, you know, well, I'm, I'm here, but I'm not really a part of things and, you know, yeah. um, all of that. So yeah, again, like, like that that sense of saying all the right things to get to manipulate to get the response that he wants and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I feel like if I didn't know it already, you know, this episode. Well, I mean, this just seems like a no brainer because it's a Hollywood TV show. But like, like so many episodes of of Angel have them going on and on about what a fake place LA is <laughs> like you know this is written by people who live there like yeah you know yeah. it's all about everyone's lonely nobody really fits in 
they're all phonies, they're all pretending, you know, they're all desperate for a connection that doesn't exist because, you know, nothing means anything more than like skin deep and everything. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, yeah, so of course, like for her to find Wilson who says all that stuff too, you know, like, oh, somebody who's famous and successful and gorgeous really, and also yeah. feels the same as me, you know, who perfect. really understands me. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I mean, but that, I guess, you know, going back to like, you know, is, is this part of her recovery? Like, is it, you know, finding that, that, that ability to move on from the romantic that might have been, mm -hmm. you know, the relationship that might have been with Doyle, you know, to something that, you know, is, is this part of sort of the irresponsibility of, she's just sort of looking too hard for this. Like she, right. you know, wants it too much kind of thing to, to have some sort of romantic connection. And so maybe it, it, uh, breaks down her ability to discern a little bit, you know, right. what, what is a, a, a actual, uh, caring person versus someone who's just trying to use her. And again, but again, you have to go back to that it's not her fault that he uses her. You know what I mean? Like there, no. it's that fine line between, you know, the, the being cautious and, but, you know, blaming something for someone else's actions. Like that, even if she is trying too hard or whatever, that doesn't give, you know, creeps like Wilson the right to sort of no. prey on that. You know what I mean? So right. there's, there's definitely that, that very fine line that, uh, um, yeah. need to walk there. But, uh, you know, it, it, there's no doubt that that's why guys like him prey on right. women or men. I mean, it goes both ways in some cases. Um, sure. Uh, you know, and there's there's a reason for that. It's because their guard is down or maybe they do want it a little more than they yeah. should. You know, like maybe there's other ways to kind of move past that aren't leaving you so vulnerable and it's because you are vulnerable that people will take advantage of you. Yeah. And I um, think that's where like the family stuff comes in to be important mm -hmm. too, because sure. Like, you know, not that there's anything, you know, there's no reason why she shouldn't eventually have, you know, a romantic connection out there, but it's like, no. she's looking you feel like she is looking for that to replace this kind of lost potential relationship with Doyle and not realizing that, you know, if, if this is not just kind of, okay, I'm going to try dating, but like an actual part of her grieving process, she's not sharing it with, you know, like it seems like it would be better to be sharing that with Angel and even with Wesley, you know, like, rather than kind of try to get over, you know, the loss of your friend by going out and finding a guy to share that with, you, you know, like, Angel's the one who can relate to what she's going through, you know, mm -hmm. and you feel like that's really what she's trying to, you know, I don't think that's the only reason she's out there dating and stuff, but... You know, like, all the emphasis at the end is about, you know, 
the, I mean, there's that kind of ending of like, okay, what did we learn today? Nothing, you know, like, <laughs> like, oh, you know, men are evil. Oh, wait, we knew that. Oh, you know, sex is dangerous. Oh, we knew that too. That yeah. like, this is all I, I love, we knew. <laughs> I love that when she, you know, she goes, oh, sex is bad. And Angel's the one goes, well, we all, we knew all that, know that. Right? We know what course, happens when yeah. he has sex. I know. Like, He's like, yeah, it's literally like. <laughs> the worst thing can have like terrible consequences and stuff um so you know but what she does learn is that she has these people who she trusts and that are her family um so you kind of and that part's new so you know yeah and again it's like i don't want to blame her in any sense of like what happens to her isn't uh her fault directly but you know, there is that sense that she's, if she, if what she's looking for is a connection, you know, mm-hmm. she has that, you know, and, and, you know, and I don't, and I don't want to say like, it's wrong for her to be dating, because that's not what I'm trying to say. But like, that sense of her looking for someone who also feels out of place and alone and misunderstood and like, you know, that's what she has with her friends as well um sure and i don't know that she necessarily you know and even in the beginning she admits to being like i mean it's kind of a joke but she says like oh i didn't tell you about the guy i'm seeing and i didn't tell my friends about you because i'm ashamed of you so there's still a bit of her that as much as she has said that these are her friends she's still holding them back a bit in the sense of she doesn't really want to admit that this is her life. Like, mm. she's still being kind of phony, you know, about, you know, not necessarily, like, I think it's, there's nothing, and again, I keep feeling like I want to stop from saying she's doing the wrong things. I don't think it's wrong that she's, like, trying to be an actress necessarily. But I think she's kidding herself if she thinks of her, like, career as an actor is more real than this life that she's living working with angel and fighting the monsters and everything you know like that's a part of her too i think she kind of there's a bit of her that sees that as like the temporary solution that she has to put up with until real life starts you know um and I think she genuinely cares for Angel and Doyle and Wesley, but she doesn't necessarily admit yet that she wants to do that or that she should, you know? Um, right. I think right. maybe until the end of the episode. And then she kind of realizes that, you, you know, maybe in a phony, scary town like L.A., you should treat new people with a certain amount of caution, you know, because you don't know what kind of creeps are out there. Um, and the people she can trust are these people, not the girls who go out and try to hook her up with, you know, the guys and everything. Um, so, you know, I think some good insight for Cordy there by the end. Sure. Yeah. And it's, and even just just sort of the phrasing of that final, you know, revelation, the, you know, I learned that I have two people I trust absolutely with my life. And 
And that's the thing, like, it's the absolutely with my life. It's not that just that I trust you. It's that yeah. now that you've sort of seen me in the worst mistake or the worst condition or whatever you want to call it that I've ever really been in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only did you, you know, sort of comfort me and tell me it's not my fault and help me out, but even when you know, to the point of, like, she knocked Wesley out and, like, she refused to go. You know what I mean? Like, there's just, yeah. like, these... And, and again, like, you know, this is clearly a very metaphorical episode. So, like, there are people who I've known in, in my life, you know, who have maybe not acted that way towards me, but who have acted that way towards others or towards their own family or, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. And been that, you know, I don't care what you say, I don't care whatever at the time but then later you know sort of realize like oh you were just trying to look out for me and you know what I and so it's like even sort of you know against her own will at the time which Mm -hmm. was you know being manipulated telepathically by a demon so you know whatever but like like there is that idea that you know they stick with you even though you treat them like crap you know and even though um you know, they've sort of seen the worst side or the worst part of you. And so that's like, I feel like even when she was part of the Scoobies and dating Xander Mm -hmm. and like, you know, the good times when they were, you know, before stuff went down, like, yeah, she never really had that. So like, this Mm -hmm. is like, there was still tension there, like with the rest of the group, you know, in parts, even though, they sort of kind of came to accept her a bit. Yeah. Like it's still, it it wasn't this, like this, this part really is new for Cordy. Like, yeah, that she can trust, uh, you know, Wesley and Angel who would have ever thought of that, you know, when they, when she first met either of them, right. That that would be the case, but that's the way it is just in life sometimes like it is the people who are sort of the unexpected ones that you come to rely on and right and don't necessarily know when you first meet them that they're, they're going to be the ones that you have that connection with so yeah and that um, kind of was what I was getting at with like the whole you know her irresponsibility and everything doesn't really matter when it comes down to it because you kind of feel like with with the Scoobies they never really did get past that point of, like, the personality differences. You know, mm-hmm. like, I think everyone would work together and protect each other out of just a sense of it's the right thing to do. But, you know, Buffy and Willow and, you know, and some of the others, I don't know that they ever really loved Cordy for Cordy. You know, right. you couldn't, they couldn't get past Cordy's you know, her difficultness as a person, you know, and vice versa. You know, I don't know that Cordy ever really liked or loved them really in that way, Mm. other than the sense of we're a team and it's, you know, good to look out for each other, you know, but with here, with, with Angel and Wesley, you do get more of a sense of we might gripe at each other and we're not, perfect and we know each other's flaws but you will go you know all the way for each other much more that sense of loyal and because you want to not just because 
oh, I guess we have to rescue Cordy since right. she works for us and everything. Yeah. Like, you don't get any sense of begrudging, yeah. like, well, you know, the secretary's in trouble. I guess we should go help. It's like, no, like, when she doesn't show up, Angel's genuinely worried. And, mm-hmm. you know, when Wesley's kind of moaning about how she's, you know, shirking her duties, he drops that when he sees that she's actually in trouble, you know, and they do go all the way and don't care if she knocks them mm-hmm. out and and fights them and everything. Um, sure. And don't resent her for it when it's done. You know, they are super extra nice to her and, uh, you know, um, and she understands why they did what they did. She doesn't hold it against them either um, and appreciates yeah. them for it. So you do get more of that sense of, like actual genuine affection between them rather than just like, well, we're on the same team. So we're sort of obligated to look out for each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is good. I hadn't really thought of it that way until you just said it, but that is different for Cordy. Obviously the other Scoobies have that with each other. Right. But I don't right. think Cordy ever, I don't think Cordy ever felt that for them. And I don't think that any of them really ever felt that for her. Um, maybe yeah. not even Xander. Yeah, I, I, I was just going to say that. Like, I don't <laughs> think even Xander, like, you know, he's thinking more like a teenage boy. And sure. Hormones and yeah. I have a hot girlfriend. But right. not that he didn't care for her in his yeah. own way. But, like, I think there's, like, we even see that sort of tension of, like, Xander always went all out for Buffy. Right. And not was not that way with Gordy. Yeah. Um, and that came through at times. Uh, and so that, con- you know, that's the contrast, right? Between Cordy and Serena and their friend. I forget the blonde girl's name. Uh, it's um, like Emily or something. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's the contrast, right? Like Serena, we learn doesn't have any family. Yeah. Uh, at least none that she's talking to or who are nearby and can do anything or whatever. So like the assumption sort of is that because Cordy's hanging around with her, that Cordy also doesn't have that family too, but that's, that's the mistake, right? That's Wilson's and the demons and, you know, sort of the whole gang there. That's their mistake is that Cordy does have this non-traditional family, so to speak, uh, you know, who are looking out for her. Um, so, yeah, and Whether, I think that's what Cordy learns, too, that she's been thinking of herself as one of these yeah. lonely hearts in L.A. who doesn't have anybody and is sort of alone in a sea of phonies and everything. But, yep. you know, yep. but I think the end of the episode sort of proves otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we sort of move off of Cordy, I mean, maybe there's more to talk about, but I want to make sure we talk about her... her uh, her apartment mate her her ghost yeah. Dennis uh, who um, I mean we I don't think we've had any other sightings or even allusions no to him I think since this is the sort first of the one. introduction yeah uh, yeah in room with a view yeah um I love that yeah I like I like that she has this kind of nosy roommate um you know which is like okay that's funny with like him sabotaging the date you know which then it makes that it just occurred to me it makes me wonder does he 
Does he always do that, or does maybe maybe he had a sense that Wilson was well, bad she, news? She says to Wilson that she's she like, hasn't you know, had anybody over. Yeah, right? you're the first one I've had okay. over in a long ever. Right. <laughs> like, right. implying right. that that okay. he is. Sort so of maybe the first it's one not that ever. Dennis is like trying to warn her or something, but um, I do like so that's kind of. No, I got that it was just annoying. Like just, he was he's, trying. He's to, just a pest. Yeah. Well, um, and that, and that he, like, I think there's sort of the implication from Room with a View is that, you know, he sort of likes her too, right? right? Like, right. like it's likes her in sort of the annoying adolescent teen boy way, right? Right. Like, so I'm going to interrupt your date, you know, by flicking the lights right. on and, you know turning the music to polka and right, stuff right. like that. Um, but yeah, even more than that, I really did love when he uh, picks up the tissues for her and like tucks her into bed and everything. Cause mm-hmm. like he's another little strange family member in his own weird way, maybe more like the annoying kid brother, but like he's kind of irritating, but there when you need him kind of thing. Like, and I, I like that he's not just, like, the crazy poltergeist, but actually has, like, a personality. You know, like... Sure. He feels... Yeah. Uh, he feels sorry for her and wants to take care of her and stuff. That's I a cute idea. I don't think it's giving anything away to say, well... Well, I was going to say see more of Dennis, but we don't actually ever see him, right? We'll it's more like... We'll experience more of Dennis. Yeah, we'll see more of the stuff that happens... That he does or whatever, but like, yeah, we won't actually see him. But that's Um, a that's a cute idea that like he's not the ghost that is haunting and wants her to leave. That he kind of likes having her there, and he's, you know, he likes to be there, and he'll sort of look out for her and stuff. Um, It's funny, and a nice little like. Again, I like the way that that scene with her in the bedroom was sort of played straight. So then to have that one little. It's not laugh out loud funny, but it's sort of sweetly funny. You know, the mm-hmm. way he, like, has the tissues. and Like, you kind of laugh, but it's not so much of a laugh that it, like, breaks the mood. It just sort of, like, is a nice oh, little grace yeah, note like, at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Like, it kind of, like, gives you that, like, oh, little, you know, that, yep. like, just punctuates it nicely, so. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so with, I, you know, and a lot of Angel and Wesley stuff is sort of in relation to Cordy that we've talked about, but, um, as far as Angel goes, any, any other thoughts to share with him or? Um, well, we might've covered it all. I mean, I guess, (laughs) I mean, well, we did kind of talk about like his, uh, <laughs> Angel worries me sometimes. With it's like I don't want to say it's a bad thing, but like you just see how again. And in the last episode, we just talked about how you know what if he got his soul back again, and and what would that be? So we see here that he's worried about Cordy. You mean lost his soul again? What if he lost his soul again? Sorry, yes. And yeah, I was gonna say he he has it. No, no, so, I meant anyway. I meant lost it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so 
at the same moment that I'm happy to see him be so concerned about Cordy, I'm a little terrified of how easily he can break into her apartment and like barge in on her because like we know he mm. has permission to go in and he knocks and she doesn't answer and he like waits for all of like two seconds before like knocking in the door. Um, yeah. So again, there's that kind of double moment of, you know, you're happy that they're that close and that he cares that much about her and you know that she trusts him and he trusts her and all this stuff and at the same time there's this little voice in the back of my head that's saying that could be bad if he you know sure if something did happen you know like it's so easy to get comfortable with angel um especially when he's like acting all like protective big brother and everything right. so um you know whether that'll ever come to anything i don't know but you know you know and even wesley kind of rolls his eyes a little bit he's like you know like she's not here what are we gonna do we're gonna you know trespass into her apartment apparently you know because wesley's not quite there yet where like he's so close that he feels like he has to like break down her mm. door just to check on her so there's the bit of wesley that still kind of holds Angel at arm's length and is like, that's slightly invasive. Um, and again, like, it's good that they do it because they find her and I'm glad about that. But like, it does make me worried. The liberties that Angel takes sometimes. Sure. Um, so, yeah. Sure. Um, couple of funny moments. Oh, and again, they're sort of related to Cordy, but I like the moment when he's watching her drink the blood. That's hilarious. And, yeah. And he's it's just like, like, that's disgusting. I never realized how disgusting, how disgusting that is that until is. just now. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 He never saw it from someone else's perspective and like, yeah. not even just like biting someone, but like drinking it out of the cup. Like, yeah, that's nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, cause, and, then, and, and then we don't like, associate oh, we go that. Order a pizza or something. Yeah, we don't see Angel doing it that much, really. But like, you you do sort of think of like Spike with his when he's like and drinking from the straw, mug, and he's got yeah. like the the yeah Out of smiley face or whatever. Yeah. Um, the uh, so the other thing that I was going to mention uh, was we don't get a ton of reminders. But, like, you know, here carrying sort of the big liquid nitrogen tank, like, mm -hmm. you know, that he does have sort of superhuman strength and, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Like, I mean, sure, we see him, like, jump and, you know, this and that and the other thing. But it it is sort of easy to think of him as just sort of, like, a human. Yeah. But, you know, he can't go out in the sun too long. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he is a vampire and... And well, that sort and of gets downplayed sometimes, but... And along um, that same token, they have him in the episode sneaking up on people an awful lot for some reason in this episode. Like, there's, like, three separate times or something that he, like, scares somebody coming up, like, close behind them and, like, spooking them. So, hmm. like, again, like, like, just a little subtle reminder that he's, like, 
superhuman in that way. Like he is extra strong and extra stealthy and everything. And you know, well, and also a hunter, like, he, yeah. you know, he's, he has like, these are prey kind of in a way for him, even though he doesn't bite people now. Like, yeah, you can imagine that's how he would do it. If, yeah. You know, he was evil. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't lounge all that well. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> um, and then um, as far as Wesley goes, um, again, sort of we talked a lot about him in relation to Cordy. Uh, still kind of, but not really on his own. You know, like, it's like each episode he kind of gets a little bit more and more yeah. sort of into the fold and like... Yeah. You know, he's but he's still kind of keeping up the ruse of the rogue demon the rogue hunter. De- and, yeah. Yeah, he uh, even introduces himself to the demon. Wesley yeah. Denham Price, rogue demon hunter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I get that impression that he wants to be invited. You know, like, he's sort of fishing for, like... And he kind of has been in a way, but, like, he's still... There's that element of him that's waiting to be, like, officially initiated into the group. So until that happens, he's sort of keeping up this slight pretense that he doesn't really work with them. You know, that he could kind of make it on his own. Well, yeah, and he even has, like, that moment of, like, you know, well, I know Cordelia is your employee. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, like, he doesn't have any business, like, talking about them. But it's like, but you know, supposedly you guys are friends. So like, right. You sh- like, why are you putting it sort of in that business perspective of, yeah. you know, well, you're the boss and she's the employee. It's like, well, why not come to him as like concerned mutual friends of Cordelia's? Like it doesn't have to be sort of in that super official, you know, yeah. business like way. Um, yeah. Uh, so so we talked about him swinging his Bavarian fighting ads into the wall, which yeah. is a ridiculous premise anyways, that there's a Bavarian fighting ads. <laughs> but, um, you know, the the that's kind of funny and, and sort of the normal slapstick stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the pretending to be Cordy's, you know, baby daddy or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, is is all kind of funny and and whatever and jumping into the wrong jumping into the old people's (laughs) and they're just like staring at him like yeah and i mean he is still kind of fumbling and everything but you i'm starting to get the impression that he's more uh not a better fighter than doyle but maybe more keen to be a fighter than doyle was like doyle never really he would fight kind of only if he had to, and you sort of had to talk him into it. Whereas um, Wesley seems more like he fancies himself a really good fighter. Yeah. (laughs) But he's at least willing to kind of throw himself in, you know, and he might not be any good at it, but he has enough sort of pomposity that he imagines that he can do it. Right. um, And is sort of wanting to impress you and, you know. Like he uh, almost sees himself as a Renaissance man. Like he can he can do the research and the book learning and all that, but like he also has the weapon he skills, thinks, and, you know, the yeah. yeah, the weapon and fighting skills and like, you know, yeah. he Yeah, all of that sort of more yeah tactile uh skill. But yeah. anyway, it's 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 pretty funny. Like he's you're right, he's just not 
as good as he sort of imagines himself to be at it. And he's always like surprised when he's not, you know, like when he, you know, swings the ads into the wall and he's like, Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. Oops. Or, you know, the realizing that like, you would think he would just jump in and see two old people sitting in easy chairs and realize this might be the wrong house, but no, he like keeps going with it. And where do you lay your eggs? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he's funny, but you did you did point out with the shooting of the tank at the end that he has some skill, or at least maybe is improving a little bit more than he was. Yeah, you know, so maybe with with some practice, mm-hmm. he'll get there. Yeah, um, and maybe with having some guidance from Angel, like okay, here we have an actual plan, not just like throw ourselves in and you know. Right. Hope for the best, you know. The other thing, uh, I'm not, like, we don't actually get a lot of, like, firearms uh, fired by right. the protagonists, anyway. Yeah, you're in, right, yeah. In uh, Buffy or Angel. I mean, like, okay, Buffy had the moment with the bazooka, and that was really cool. Yeah, but um, that's, like, the only episode. Yeah, you know, and, there. like... Alexander, right. right, or with, it's usually like crossbows rather than guns and stuff. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what like fire, like like guns, yeah. uh, you know, and that kind of like munitions <laughs> and that kind of thing. Um, you know, Xander in the Halloween episode has a gun, but like I don't think he ever does. He ever actually fire it? I can't remember if he does. And when also, he's it's like, like the soldier. Yeah, like so. yeah. altered state anyway. So like, is it really him? You know, kind of thing. So like, like this is one of the few moments where we where you kind of get that um yeah. uh and then the only other thing time i can think of is like buffy in the clock tower with jonathan in earshot but like she disables the gun he like has it's the gun. Point, right right it's like pointedly not her shooting at anyone so right. right um you know we we don't get a lot of sort of that firearm but this is like the ones you know other than maybe the bazooka like mm-hmm. this is the one clear like we're going to use this gun to, you mm-hmm. know, and, and not even like to shoot the demon, but to shoot the thing that will defeat the demon. So right. like, there's still kind of this. Whatever. I did but, like, I did like the demon, like how they actually had him be like way bigger and everything. Like that's kind of unusual too. Like um, mm. with the, with these shows, it tends to be more uh, monsters. You can make on like, as makeup on a person, you know, we don't get a sure. ton of like big special effectsy monsters, you know, mm-hmm. other than the snake, I guess the, the mayor, you know, yeah, um, but yeah, well, and like even com- so, but this one was kind of like cool. Like other... he was more like almost like animated, like almost like more stop motion than like CGI. So he looks kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, you know, there's that other snake that was in the fraternity. Oh, right. But even like that was like, it was just like a person. That's like a guy with like a big long snake tail. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like even (laughs) that was kind of not really what you were talking about. But That wasn't what I meant. No, no, no. I was thinking of the CGI mayor snake, but there was also that other snake. Um. Yeah, no, you're right. Like a lot of a lot of the demons are like, yeah, men or women in costume. Right. 
sometimes not even all that much of costume. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. yeah. No, so it's cool to kind of mix it up. Like, when, when Wesley said it's really huge, I was kind of like, what, what, how huge are we talking about here? So I kind of like that they actually made him, like, pretty big. Um, yeah. You know, I was not expecting him to be as big as he was, so that was pretty yeah. cool. Um, and also that they didn't do, like, the, like, they could have gone the other way with, like, the throwing a tank and shooting it and having the explosion. But no, it, yeah. like, is actually more accurate, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Like, you know, where he just punctures it, and so, like, then the liquid nitrogen becomes not liquid anymore, but kind of freezes it with the, yeah, you know, whatever. Right. At least seems more realistic, mm-hmm. as realistic as freezing a huge demon with yeah, liquid nitrogen. Yeah, speaking could of be. yeah, freezing giant demons with liquid nitrogen. <laughs> <laughs> you want to make sure you get the physics right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, you know, but I think I think the I think the big like we expect the sort of bumbling humorous wesley at this point mm-hmm. i think the the big moments though are you know again the support that he gives cordy yeah you know and then not it's not your fault and we're we're gonna find out what happened and yeah. who did this um and that as clumsy as he can be with weapons like and, and we've seen before like he um in the first episode that he appears in um you know he hit that uh what was the name of that demon with the horn or whatever? Like he, he, he hit it with the crossbow. Like, you know, it's not like, yeah. it's not like he's completely a hundred percent incompetent, no. but it's, it's almost like he needs that dire under pressure. Mm. Like when he has too much time to sort of think about it or is like trying to be, when he's like trying to be impressive Impress in some somebody, way, yeah. Yeah. then, then it's, uh, you know, it, he's going to fail every time. But, like, in those moments where it actually, he mm-hmm. does actually seem to pull through and, and make the shot or, you know, yeah. be there in, in the right moment. So, which is a far cry from his, you know, end of Buffy season three, running into battle, yeah. falling down immediately, and then later being taken away on yeah. a stretcher. Yeah. So, <laughs> far cry from that. It is. Lots of lots of good stuff though. So yeah, I think I mean I don't know that I have anything more to say. Um, we talked about this one probably a little more than we even expected as well. Huh? Sure. Expected. So um, yeah. No, I mean you know again like I said this isn't my favorite episode. I don't think it's a bad episode. I think it's just yeah. You know I like I like parts of it. Some of them are eh, okay. Like yeah. it's it's fine, but it's not you know, blow my socks off. But I do, I do think it's important for, uh, you know, like we talked about with, with sort of the family and pulling mm-hmm. together and that kind of stuff. And I think that's a lot of what season one of Angel is about. And, and we saw it in the first half with Angel and Cordy and Doyle, mm. but then Doyle died. So now it's like, we yeah. have to rebuild that, you know, yeah. we have to sort of start over again. So, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. I 
I think I don't get totally the sense of starting over. Like I think Angel and Cordy do have just like more of a deepening sense of the trust, whereas Wesley is kind of being brought into the fold a bit. Like he's the yeah. one who's the most at the remove, which is kind of how it should be, you know. Um, so yeah, sure. But they're good. I think this is a good trio. They seem to complement each other well. So. Yeah, and it, that's always such a tough thing to say because, you know, Not to, you can still like Doyle, yeah, but ad, yeah. admit that this is a good a yeah. good mix. Yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. I mean, they are in the sense that <laughs> that we can't have one. In the, but my liking of one doesn't negate the liking of the other. That's no. what I mean. Cool. All right. Well, all that said, we will be back next week with another episode of Doctor Who, uh, second part of yep. this storyline, and mm-hmm. then a new episode of Buffy. All right. So. See you then.